Good morning, everyone. Welcome. It's good to have everyone here today and to share this time of, of worship and fellowship together. And we welcome you all, especially our guests. We welcome our guests uh, and hope very um, that, that you'll feel very much part of our family as we worship God this morning. I have a few announcements I'd like to call to your attention. First of all, um, let me remind everyone of our attendance sheets on each row. We'd like to ask if you wouldn't mind to take those and fill them out so we can have a record of your attendance with us this morning. Uh, we would certainly appreciate that. Just give us um, whatever information you feel comfortable giving to us, and we would appreciate that. Uh, also, several things that we have uh, coming up. You may, uh, you may know, you may have heard something about this, but tomorrow uh, there's something going on with the sun. I'm not sure what it is. It's, it's going to go dark for, for a, a couple of minutes. Uh, it will not go completely dark here in Henderson. I think it'll it'll go almost completely dark here, but not quite. But for those of us uh, who who would like, for those of you who would like, come join us. We're going to be heading south a little bit down to Berna, Kentucky, uh, so where we can take the total eclipse, the uh, the totality of of the eclipse down there. Uh, Felicia has uh, her father has a. a uh, farm down there, and we're going down there. We're going to be cooking out and enjoying uh, our fellowship together. And when the time comes, we'll uh, we'll watch the eclipse. Uh, we will be leaving here by nine o'clock tomorrow morning. So if you would like to go, please be here before nine o'clock in the morning. Uh, we don't know what the traffic's going to be like. I've heard all sorts of t- horror stories. I don't know what's go- I don't know what to expect. But uh, we will be here leaving by nine o'clock on. Um, Tomorrow morning. Also, Hoops and Cheers is up and running. We are we have distributed our brochures through the schools. Uh, we have put it up through uh, uh, media, uh, social media. We put it in the newspaper. We've got advertisements everywhere, and now we just need to register our children for our Hoops and Cheers basketball and cheerleading program, and that will start tomorrow night. We are looking for volunteers to help us to. Uh, to register the children and to run them through some uh, uh, some practice drills to find out what their, their skill level is and to size them for uniforms. So if you would like to volunteer in any way for that, please see Sybil. There she is. Sybil right back here, and uh, she will get you signed up for that. And we'll be doing that several days this week and next week as well. So please uh, sign up for that. Also, uh, we are taking a, a, a trip to uh, St. Louis to see the Cards play Tampa Bay on August the 26th. If you'd like to go there, there's a sign-up sheet back here. And the women's mission team uh, will be meeting on uh, August the 29th. And uh, please see uh, Brittany Smith or email her to RSVP for that. That will be a dinner meeting. And this afternoon, in addition to the worship team meeting that, will, that is scheduled for this afternoon, we will also have a missions team meeting. I know it's scheduled for next week, but we're going to put it up. We're going to have that this week instead of next week. We feel like there are some things we need to take care of right away. 
so uh, we will meet today at 4 o'clock. The missions team will meeting, meet at 4. The worship team will meet at 5. So let us rejoice in the Lord. Uh, let us proclaim God's glory. And let us stand, if we are able, and celebrate God's presence in our brothers and sisters in Christ as we worship, as we uh, greet one another in the name of the Lord. Is there a thing that says we need help with the
Let us pray together. (laughs) Oh God of the South African child and the North Korean child, the God of the Bangladeshi woman and the Nicaraguan man, God of the Syrian refugee and the grandmother in the projects, God of every last one of us, we come linked by our places in this world. We are connected as family members on this earth, brothers and sisters, all your children. And we have the power to bring to the table bread and fish, rice and noodles, oranges and potatoes, corn and beans and even fried chicken so that everyone can eat. But God, we confess that in a world where there is enough food for everyone, we squander our power to distribute the food on our shelves and the money in our pockets to the hungry. We admit that we usually look for the easy answers rather than sacrifice. And we know that the awareness of injustice that we may be feeling today might fade as quickly as today's headlines. Truth is that we have short memories. And so, God, we pray that you would give us a compassion that lasts beyond the headlines. Give us the power to overturn the tables of injustice and to give Give out, pour out bags of rice for all those who the world forgets to feed. Give us the voice to speak up and to say, we are for loving our neighbor. Give us the courage to stand up against hatred and bigotry and a misguided attempt to demean your children. Fill our hearts with love for all of humanity, O God those who are like us and those who are not. And we long for that day when your kingdom of peace and love is truly established in the hearts of people all over the world. In the meantime, let us strive each day for that vision of a worldwide beloved community. And let us work to make sure that all of your people are celebrated And that every child is fed and justice and joy will will prevail. For that is your vision, O God. And that is our task. Amen.
Good morning. How are you all today? Do y'all know what tomorrow is? I can't see a thing. So. These must be good ones. Yes. I think that's fantastic news. Let's give a big round of applause for that. She gets to find out what her new sibling is going to be, a little boy or a little girl. I think that might rank higher than the eclipse in my book. <laughs> so this morning we wanted to talk to you about, um, I guess I'm not quite sure how to term, um, Brother Tim's going to be talking about uh, a passage where Jesus fed a huge group of people with just a small amount of food. He was able to multiply it with five loaves and two fishes. And Gary, next to me here, is a good friend. And last Sunday, I noticed something about Gary. He went out and was the door greeter. And he kind of took my job, but that was okay. <laughs> and you know what I told him? I said, he better be careful because people might be, start asking him to do other things in the church. And you know what Gary's response was? Do you remember? I'd do anything. He would do anything. What do y'all say about that? Amen. Amen. So I asked Gary to come up and help me today. Yes, ma'am. Was Gary? Gary's a nice name, isn't it? It's a nice name. Her father wrote a story, and it was about one of the people in the story was named Gary. That's pretty special. But Gary said what he just said. He said, I'll do anything. And that kind of reminded me about God took a little bit with the five loaves and two fishes and fed a multitude of people. Okay, so we always got to think that God's love for us and what he's able to do for us is endless. He can do anything. But think about the large group of people that he fed. Tomorrow there's supposed to be a large group of people in our area, right? Because of the eclipse. We don't know what the traffic's going to be like. We don't know what parking's going to be like. So we've tried to prepare for that. But sometimes when you're in a large group or even a small group, it's nice to have a friend next to you, right? Okay? So today... That's why I wanted to mention to you all, if you ever are scared, you can always ask an adult or you can ask a friend to help you out. But you know what? I want you to look out there. Is that a big crowd or a little crowd? Oh, it's a big crowd. Okay. Compared to tomorrow, I thought you all were a little crowd. But the children's group, the children's moment, every Sunday, we ask for volunteers to come forward. And, well, I'm not doing very good today. Dropping everything. Thank you. There's a helper right there. We always need volunteers in the church, just like Gary says he's willing to do anything. But you know what? For months, there's been a sign-up sheet, too, on the back wall for people to come up in front of the church and do children's moment. And do you all know what? There's six spots left. So we need some volunteers. Right, Gary? Right. Who will do... So, see, it's a lot better when you have two of us up here. We can speak together. So our point is you don't have to do it alone. You can have a friend up here. You can do couples. You can do 
heck a trio. I think one time I had five or six people helping me when I had little stuffed animals one time. So, Brother Tim, your sermon may be delayed because I'm going to ask right now for at least six hands to go up. And we may have to sit here till this is done. <laughs> we'll get them. I told Kim and uh, Teresa that we would get it done this morning. So we all are on the spot because we need people that can do anything. <laughs> okay, so I got one hand in the back. Who have I? Two hands. Okay. Oh, Gary's willing to come back. Now, see, everybody needs to be like Gary. All right. I'm sorry. You go ahead. Tell me names. Brandon Christie. Next Sunday. Next Sunday. 27th. Huh? Yes. Okay. Okay. We need one for September 3rd, Labor Day weekend. Pam Gardner. Pam Gardner. Pam Gardner. I'm preaching this at house. You may have to double up. <laughs> okay, September 17th. Brother Tim, you better encourage him or this is going to be all day. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. What? Jamie. Jamie Gillette. Jamie. Lisa? Oh, Lisa Carroll. How about the 24th, Lisa? Okay. October 1st. Wish I had something to auction off here. We got some wine up here on the front counter. Mary. <laughs> Who? Mary. Mary will do October 1st. And October 8th. Come on, choir. We need another volunteer. October 8th. I volunteer Rachel Bobson. Mark, Mark and Rachel Hobson. Oh, <laughs> All right, Mark. Wood. I volunteer Mike Wood. <laughs> How about Mark Hobson? Hey. There we go. Mark Hobson. Hey. Well, thank you all very much. Do, do you all see what we just did? Anytime our church needs something, usually if you bring it to the front and ask for people, there are volunteers because there are people willing to do. <laughs> so we thank you all very much. And where's Teresa Kim? We got all the volunteers. So thank you all very much.
Will you bow your heads and pray with me, please? Thank you, Lord, for the privilege of freedom. I pray that we follow the path of love, not because it overpowers the world, but because it's the path to you, Lord. May we always be hungry for your bread and thirst to drink from your cup. Bless these tithes and offerings. Guide us to use them to further your kingdom. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. scripture reading today comes from Matthew 14, 13 through 21. Now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the propounds. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion for them and cured their sick. When it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, this is a deserted place, and the hour is now late. Send the crowds away so that they may go into the villages and buy food for themselves. And Jesus said to them, They need not go away. You give them something to eat. 
They replied, we have nothing here but five loaves and two fish. And he said, bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish. He looked up to the heavens and blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowds. And all ate and were filled, and they took up what was left over of the broken pieces, twelve baskets full. And those who ate were about 5,000 men, besides women and children. This is the word of the Lord.
Thank you, choir. What a great message that brings to us as well. How many of you have a cat? Yeah, I see some of you. Cat ever get up in a tree? Any of your cats ever climb a tree and you couldn't get him down? Well, one night there was a woman, her name was Anna Ruth. She was cat-sitting. It wasn't even her cat. She was cat-sitting for her daughter. And somehow the, the cat managed to, to get outside. And, and when it failed to, to re- return home, um, the next morning it was still gone. She went out looking for it, and she found the cat way up in, the, in a tree clinging to a branch about 30 feet up in a tree. And she couldn't, she would call the cat, and the cat would just look at her. And the cat just would not come down, so she was unable to lure it down. And so she was desperate to get this cat out of the tree, but even her cat. And so she thought, you know, my daughter's going to be mad at me if I can't get this cat out. So what do you do if a cat's up a tree? You call the fire department. She called the fire department and asked for help getting the cat out of the tree. And the dispatcher said, we don't do that anymore. And when Anna Ruth persisted, the dispatcher uh, politely but firmly said, the cat will come down when it gets hungry enough. And so Anna Ruth said, well, how do you know that? To which the dispatcher responded, have you ever seen a cat skeleton in a tree? Two hours later, that cat was back down looking for breakfast. Come to think of it, I've never seen a cat skeleton up in a tree. And so cats must do pretty well fending for themselves. I only wish that it was as easy for humans who are hungry to obtain food as it is for cats. Especially those humans in underdeveloped countries that are ravaged by drought or those where cruel dictators withhold food from from those who oppose their regimes. or uh, There are all kinds of situations that cause people to be hungry. And so today I want us to think about an ancient scourge upon our world, and that is human hunger. My friends, it is a terrible thing when you can't get enough food to feed your family. Bill Hybels, in his book titled The Power of a Whisper, tells about watching a documentary from a reporter on CNN who is studying the effects of hunger on the poor. And during the creation of this film, the reporter interviewed a man who had had lived with hunger for his entire life. And he talked about the effects that had on his, on his body, on his mind, on his spirit. And after hearing this man's story, the reporter decided to do something very brave. He was really taking on a lot here because he wanted to put himself in the shoes of this man that he had interviewed. And so he tried for 30 days to eat exactly what this impoverished man ate. No more. And he made an honest effort to do this, but by the 21st day, he could no longer continue. The reporter was so dizzy, he said, that he nearly fainted. 
He was so lethargic that his mind was all but shut down. His body was, began wasting away until finally he just said, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. Experts tell us that hunger of that kind does tragic things to the human body. Don Parlberg, the former Assistant Secretary of Agriculture and a specialist on world hunger, relates an old Byzantine proverb that says, the one who has bread has many problems. The one who lacks bread has only one problem. And that, of course, is to obtain bread. Our lesson for today concerns the feeding of the 5,000. And actually, this story should probably be relabeled to the feeding of the 10 or 15,000, since the original number didn't even include the women and children. But anyway, however you count this, this large group of people, it was a huge group. It was a huge crowd. And many of you are probably familiar with this story. Just to kind of back up a little bit from what was read a moment ago, to set the tone a little bit, a report came to Jesus that John the Baptist had been murdered by King Herod. He had been arrested. He spent some time in jail and then beheaded by King Herod. And when Jesus heard this, he he got in a boat and he went to a quiet place, a solitary place, and I'm sure that he wanted some time to grieve for John. After all, they were... They were cousins and friends, and John had been an inspiration for Jesus, and I'm sure that that he wanted to weigh the implications of this event for his own ministry. And if you've ever grieved for someone, you probably understand what Jesus is going through here. You appreciate the friends who surround you with, with love at a time like this, but you also may long for a quiet place and a quiet time where you can kind of just catch your breath and process what has happened. And so Jesus needed to grieve the loss of his cousin. But the crowds that were beginning to follow him would not give him that opportunity. Matthew tells us that when he tried to get away, tried to go to a quiet place, uh, the, the people followed him on foot. And so he got in a boat and went across to the other side of the lake. And when his boat landed on the other side of the lake, there was already a huge crowd of people waiting for him there. And I can just imagine Jesus looking out, seeing that crowd and taking a huge sigh, maybe slumping a little bit, thinking, So much for a little downtime. You ever felt like that? And then Matthew explains something about Christ that is all that we really need to know. He simply said, He had compassion on them and healed their sick. Can you imagine how exhausting this was for Jesus? Healing their sick was was not something that he generally did with a wave of a hand. Most Most of the time, healing was almost always done with a one on one encounter. 
And here were 10,000 people, no doctors anywhere in the house. And one reason that many of them had come was in hopes of a healing miracle. And so there he is, wanting to grieve, needing to grieve, but instead, all day long, he faced this massive group of people who had come to be healed and to be made whole again. And then Matthew writes, As evening approached, the disciples said to him, This is a remote place and it's already getting late, so why don't you send them away so that they can go and buy some food for themselves? That's pretty reasonable, isn't it? There were no McDonald's or Burger Kings anywhere nearby, and, and getting food would take the people a little bit of time and effort to get situated there. And, and yet Jesus made an astounding suggestion. The disciples said, send them away so they can get some food. And then Jesus said, why don't you feed them? Well, obviously this sounded pretty ridiculous to the disciples. We only have five loaves of bread and two fish, they said. And he said, bring them to me. He directed the crowds to sit down on the grass and, and taking the loaves and the two fish and looking up to the heavens, he gave thanks and he broke the loaves. And then he gave the loaves and the fish back to his disciples. The disciples gave them to the people and everybody there, we are told, ate until they were satisfied. And then the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. Wow, pretty amazing story, isn't it? No matter how you try to explain it, that's an amazing story. But let me suggest to you that the most important words in that whole story are right there at the very beginning when Matthew tells us that Jesus had compassion on them. That's why Jesus healed their sick. That's why Jesus provided food for the hungry. It's because he was filled with compassion for people in need. And ever since that time, followers of Jesus, you and me, have understood that if we are going to walk in the steps of Jesus, then we too must have compassion for those who are sick, for those who are hungry, for those who are displaced and in need, however that need may manifest itself. And so I want to focus our attention today on those who are hungry. Listen to this, my friends. There are millions of people who go to bed hungry every night. Even in this prosperous land of our country, the United States of America, according to the organization Feeding America, one in every six Americans don't have enough to eat, including more than one in five children. Now, you and I have heard that truth so many times that we may not take it all that seriously, but that would be tragic. The State of the World Report, published every year by the World Watch Institute, reports that approximately 27,000 children die of starvation and hunger-related diseases each and every day. Twenty. 7,000 children each day. Our minds can hardly grasp the scope of that much suffering. 
In one of his books, Gordon MacDonald tells about a heartbreaking experience that he had in Ethiopia a few years back. He says he was walking one chilly morning across a, a, a field, an open field in the Ethiopian countryside where several thousand people had come during the night. These desperate people were hoping for some food. They were hoping to, to find some food at a feeding center nearby. And since they, all they had was the, the clothes on their backs, most of them slept through the night on the ground with nothing there. And as he made his way through the crowd, several of the children crowded around him and those closest to him grabbed his hands and others put their arms around his waist and around his legs. And later he commented to a doctor who was with him. He said, these are some of the most affectionate children that I've ever seen in my life. And the doctor said, it's not affection that they're looking for. They want your body heat. They want your body heat. They're freezing. They're cold. And, and it's made all, all the more worse because they're hungry. What a sad story. Can you even imagine such misery as that? But that's the way so many children in our world live, live these days. Without adequate food or shelter. And food deprivation is debilitating in ways that we cannot even imagine. Now, I recognize that many of us would just as soon not hear such dreary stories as these, but my friends, they are a harsh reality in, the, in much of the world today. And just because they may be out of our sight does not mean that they should be out of our minds. And the real tragedy of this reality is that hunger persists in our nation and around the world in spite of the fact that we live in a bountiful world. Many of us look at the TV commercials about hungry children across the world and we think that that problem's just too overwhelming. We can't make that much of a difference. That's a huge problem that we can't get our minds around. But folks, let me tell you something. The battle to feed the world's people is not a hopeless cause. We can do it. God has given us the resources that we need. And in some places, we have made some real strides, some real progress in alleviating hunger. The past 10 or 20 years have made a huge difference in the lives of so many people around the world as, as we have started tackling this, this issue. For example, how many of you, when you were children, how many of your mothers used to tell you that you better clean your plate because you need to think about all those starving children in India? Uh, yeah? Okay. All right. Well, India did used to be a, a hotbed of hunger in our world. But today, India is self-sufficient when it comes to food. In fact, recent year, in recent years, India has grown so much grain that it doesn't even have enough room to store it all. And some, some of you can probably remember when scientists were predicting world famine by the mid-1980s. But they were wrong. The agriculture industry responded to the rapidly expanding world population in a magnificent way. And today there is plenty of food for every person in the world. The food's there. So you see, we don't really have a food problem. What we have is a people problem. 
For example, food is poorly distributed throughout the world, which means that some of us, most of us here in this room, we have a whole lot more than we need. And we throw away so much while others have practically nothing. In some parts of the world, the government uses food as a weapon to subjugate their own people or to feed their, their soldiers while starving the general population. And of course, there are those areas of our world that are ravaged by almost continuous drought, which is a situation that is predicted to get even worse in the, in the future. Yet still the problems that we face are not hopeless. Dr. Barbara Lundblad notes that according to the Office of the Management and Budget, we have everything that we need to end world hunger. And we could do it just like that. We could. We even know how much it will cost. It would only take about $13 billion a year. And I know that that sounds like an awful lot of money, but it's not really when you think about it and you put it in the big picture. That's just 2.2% of our defense budget. The U.S. military spends more money in 16 hours than the World Health Organization and the Food and Agriculture Organization combined spend in a whole year. And so what we need is not more food or money. What we need is a is the determination to overcome this continuing scourge. What we need is for enough people to have at least a part of the compassion that Jesus had for the needy of the world. And who are those people who are to have that compassion? You and me. That would be us. My friends, I hope that you know that as Christians, you and I are accountable for the needs of our neighbors whether they are next door or around the world. And so I hope that nobody ever tells God that we who live in a prosperous nation heard that 27,000 children die every day from hunger-related diseases and we did nothing about it. I hope God doesn't get wind of that. There's a story about Rabbi Joshua ben Levi. He was a scholar of the Talmud who lived in the 3rd century. It seems that Rabbi Joshua made a, a journey to Rome where he was astonished by all the magnificent buildings there. And, and, and he was especially impressed by how well they took care of their statues. He was amazed to see that they were covered with fine cloth to protect them from the summer heat and the winter cold. And, and then as he was standing there admiring these statue, statues of a beggar came up and pulled on his sleeve and asked for a crust of bread. And as Rabbi Joshua thought, here are statues of stone covered with expensive clothes. And here is a man created in the image of God covered with rags. And then he thought, a civilization that pays more attention to statues than it does to people shall surely perish. A harsh truth, is it not? It would be good if we would pay close attention to Rabbi Joshua's words. A civilization that pays more attention to statues than it does to people shall surely perish. 
And of course, there are hungers in this world besides the hunger for bread. And some of those hungers are right here in our very own community. They include the hunger for justice, the hunger for love. And many of you are already involved in in meeting these kinds of hungers, these kinds of needs in the lives of others. And of course, the greatest hunger of all is our hunger for the bread of life, which of course is Jesus. My friends, the Christian missionary enterprise will not be completed until every child in the world has a full tummy and every child in the world has a safe and comfortable home to live in and and every child in the world knows that he or she is a child of God, beloved by God. That's when our missionary enterprise will be completed. And that's a pretty ambitious dream, isn't it? but I believe it's a dream that's worthy of the followers of Jesus. And it's a dream that all of us should be working at to make it all come true. So tell me, what can we do to meet human needs? Whatever they may be, what can we do to meet those needs because of our commitment to Christ? We can all do something. We all have some kind of bread and loaves, or fish and loaves, that we can offer to to the Master. So the question I ask you today is, what is yours? What will you have to offer? Will you make a determination today to be involved in some way to meet the hungers that continue to plague our world, whatever those hungers may be? And I challenge you to think about that next time you see a cat up in a tree. When that cat gets hungry, it'll come down. A hungry child has no such recourse but to starve. Is there something you can do? I think there is. Amen. We have come to that portion of our service where we will observe the ordinance of the Lord's Supper. And we invite everyone to be a part of that. Everyone is welcome at the Lord's table. Jesus turns no one away. Everyone is worthy to come here because we are all, every single one of us, children of our beloved God. So I'll ask our deacons to come forward and prepare uh, for administering the Lord's Supper. The way we'll do this is we'll begin at the back and come down the middle aisle. There will be people on each side, one holding uh, bread and the other a cup. We'll ask you to take a piece of bread and then move to the side and dip the bread into the cup and, uh, and then eat the bread that is in, infused with, the, with the, the, the cup, with the fruit of the vine there. And then move along to the outside back to your seats. If you feel that you cannot make it down the aisle or, or just want to sit, sit there or maybe you lo- would prefer a traditional um, observance of the Lord's Supper, then you can just stay in your seat and we'll have a deacon that will come down the aisle and will, and will serve you at your seat if you would prefer to do that. We're glad to do that for you. But we are here to celebrate the Lord's Supper. We are here because God has called us as God's people. And God has called us also as people of the world. 
and reminded us that we should take care of each other. passage of scripture we are familiar with the words of institution that we that you hear every time we take the Lord's Supper but I want to put it in the larger context because um, Paul was actually kind of scolding the people in Corinth because they weren't behaving the way they should have and here's what he said he said when you meet together It is not the Lord's Supper that you eat, for in eating each one goes ahead with his own meal, and one is hungry, and another is drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you not or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you for this? No, I will not. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, also the cup after supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. And he said, whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of profaning the body and the blood of the Lord. Let let a person examine himself or herself. And so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment upon himself. What Paul is doing here is he's talking about the church and a situation on a small scale that we've been talking about on a large scale today. The complaint was the same. There are those who had plenty came to the church to observe the Lord's Supper and in those days it was a it was a full meal that they had people came early filled their bellies filled their their mouths with drink and went home full while those who were poor who had to work late and got there late were left with scraps if anything Paul was complaining about that. He said, that's not the way it should be. We are here. We are the church. We are the people of God. And I'll extend that all the way out into the ends of the earth. We are all people of God. 
And what Paul was saying here is that we are responsible for each other. We are responsible for each other. So let us ponder that. And let us examine ourselves as we take Christ's body and as we take Christ's blood that was freely given for us. And let us ask ourselves, what can I give? Come. Let us take the body and the blood of Christ. Let us give thanks for that. And let us ponder our response.
God is in this place. We have experienced the presence of God here today. And I hope that it prompts us to do something. Because what we have done here is we have in a symbolic way demonstrated the love that God has for each one of us. That He would give His life for us. That He would make that sacrifice for us. It was His way of saying to us, I love you. And now it's up to us to share that love with the people around us. And so let's sing about that now. Share His love. hope it's more than just words. I hope it's what we do. as your people to offer you our sacrifice of prayer and worship. We have feasted upon the bread of life. We have been refreshed through your living water. We have felt the encircling of your spirit around this fellowship and around individual lives. And so as we go from here, may we continue to know your presence and your power in the very different lives that we lead. And may we never be content to stand by when your children suffer. May we rise up for your glory and for your honor. Amen.